welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas can certainly shape markets, but more importantly, they can change the world. I have always been fascinated around executives in a room talking to one another, but all coming from a different experience, a different core competency, a different even language. And I've always said the CEO's greatest task is kind of to be a, a United Nations leader, a Berlitz, a walking Berlitz guide to those conversations so that they can get them all on the same page. And oddly enough, I've never thought of the great legal officers I've met along the way in corporate America as, ha as having the agility to cross over into those other domains. And of course, that's because I hadn't met Tom Mars of Mars Law Firm. And we have Tom on the broadcast today. Tom, great having you on. Oh, thanks. Great to be on, Rob. For those of you who listened to uh, my conversation with uh, Fred Burton, Fred is the one who turned me on to Tom Mars because we are looking for leaders who can help share their experiences and hopefully inform and infuse our own leadership. Tom, you have been a cop. You've uh, been a, one of the top litigators, uh, trial lawyers in, in America. You have been a chief legal officer or general counsel, if you will, for one of the top retailers in the country. Uh, you assumed a role of chief administrative officer where you crossed over into HR, labor relations, and so forth. What's your advice? And I'm in, in particular, I'm thinking of how our world has changed so much in risk resilience and security. I'm thinking of the chief security officer right now, especially, who has to take on new competencies and yet is kind of hardwired in a certain domain. And so what I'm asking you, because of your agility, which you can go into if you'd like, what advice do you have for your, your CSO peer on the executive team? Well, that's a good question. I, uh, I don't know that I would have considered myself to have agility when I, when I went through an experience that allowed me to learn the answer to your question. But um, I think my lack of agility at various points in time in my career contributed to me being able to have a learning experience that I could share with other CSOs because I believe that the process I went through, which basically required me to reinvent myself from high performing individual contributor to leader uh, is an experience with lessons learned that transfers to any executive, whether it be the CFO or the CSO. And if I could maybe provide a little detail to what I mean by that. It's been my experience that, and I'll take CSOs, for example, Ron, generally speaking, don't get to become a chief, a C-suite executive, a chief security officer, if you have been an average uh, 
security specialist. And, and I'll use the term individual contributor to refer to those people who work in many, many organizations, you know, private and public companies whose job is in the field of security. And we all know that those jobs uh, run the full spectrum of the corporate food chain and the ladder from the bottom to top. And <clears throat> but to become a chief security officer, generally speaking, you would have to have been a high performing individual contributor. I was a high performing legal contributor outside of Walmart. I'd never worked inside a corporation until I was uh, hired by Walmart back in 2002 to be responsible for the U.S. litigation, and then four months later promoted to general counsel, which meant I had responsibility for the legal functions of this Fortune 1 company worldwide, a position that I was highly unqualified for. Um, but I, I, my advice would be, my advice would be, if you're a CSO and and you are pretty sure that you've nailed everything you need to know about leadership, there's a really good chance that you haven't. And if you're a CSO, you have some experience, and you're not quite as confident about your leadership skills, but you think you've pretty well mastered, you think you don't need any help. You've got it. My advice would be to give that about a 50% haircut because you've still got a lot to learn. I'm not sure where I would have put myself in these categories, but if you're a brand new CSO, I've got some really important advice for you. If you're a brand new CSO, there's a, there's a likelihood you don't really know nearly enough about leadership and you need to get some help from someone because you can't learn this from reading John Maxwell books. It's, it's far more complicated. It's far more difficult than that. And as, and as I've said to you before, and I've said publicly every time I get a chance to speak on this topic, and this would be my advice to every CSO from the, from the rookie to the accomplished veteran. Never underestimate an organization's culture because that has as much to do with your success and your longevity as anything, in my opinion. You, um, because you ran into your, in, in crossing over into different domains from uh, government to private enterprise. What, what are some of the scars you had and how can you help us avoid those scars in the future for ourselves? Well, I've got countless scars <laughs> from learning things the hard way. I, I've spoken publicly about this in front of large groups of lawyers, in front of small groups of business people, all kinds of groups. And, and I 
sort of speak in parables when I share what I learned. And the stories apparently are pretty humorous to the audience because everybody seems to get a lot of laughs out of it. But I always make a point to say it wasn't funny at the time, <laughs> because I was basically taken under the wing of a very accomplished CEO named Lee Scott. And, uh, and I say that everything that's worth sharing that I know about leadership came from Lee, not from, I've read, you know, I'm a big fan of Owen Powell and um, read all the books, but the things I learned from Lee, I've never read in any of those books. And some of them are deceptively simple. For example, I make a habit, <clears throat> or I, it's become a habit, of finishing sentences with all kinds of people, uh, a spouse, a colleague, a client. I, I have a habit of finishing sentences by adding the words, but I could be wrong. And one of the things that I learned four powerful words of leadership or I could be wrong. And I say those words just out of habit regularly for two reasons. One, so that the person that I'm speaking with feels more free to disagree with me. And just as importantly, to remind myself I could be wrong. And the four other really powerful words of leadership that align real closely with the first four are, what do you think? And I, I can even expand on that. Just, I don't want to go too much into the weeds here, Ron. But those are, those are simple behaviors that I, that I learned from Lee and I started using them. And this was a, this was a long process, <laughs> as Lee would say, fixing me. 15, 18 months, maybe. And we were, and how do you do that? People might, listening to this might think, you know, I followed him around the office all day, but he actually told me on the front end, I can't do that. I'm, I'm responsible for managing the world's largest company. So you're going to travel with me. And I travel every week, either in the US or to stores outside the United States. And you're going to travel with me. And people are going to wonder why you're there. And, don't worry about that, but I'm going to take the time while we're traveling to teach you these things. Well, one day we come out of a pretty important meeting. The chairman of the company, uh, Rob Walton, is in the meeting involved in matter that was uh, billions of dollars that's at stake. And uh, Lee pulled me into his office after the meeting. And it so happened that the topic of the meeting was whether to settle a particular case, which was the largest employment class action in the history of the United States court. <clears throat> and the price tag for settling it was uh, in excess of $3 billion. I was a component of not settling the case and continuing to take it through the court system all the way to the Supreme Court. Other people in the meeting wanted to settle the case. And so we had just left that meeting and Lee took me into his office and said, hey, you you handle that fine. This is not criticism, but I think you're at a point where I could share something with you that's a nice little tool to have in your toolkit in a meeting like that. 
course, I was glad to get that advice. And what Lee said is, not to be critical, and I don't remember the person's name, I'll just say Susan, whoever was proposing something I disagreed with. He said, just think about how different these two things sound. Susan says, I think we should settle the case. You say, I disagree with you. That's pretty much what you said, and that's fine. But think how different it would have sounded to everybody in the room, including Susan, if you had said, Susan, it's not entirely clear to me why you think we should settle the case. And say nothing else. Now, Susan will know that you don't agree with her. Everybody else in the room will know you don't agree with her. She won't feel attacked. You're actually inviting her to engage in a conversation with you that will be helpful to everybody in that conversation. And I, I can honestly say since that day, both in my professional and personal life, I have, without exception, used that uh, as a way of expressing disagreement. <clears throat> and it may be a small thing. It is a small thing. But if you put all these small things together, you can literally become an effective leader with, without studying books, without having to get an external coach, although I'm a big fan of external coaches and had a couple of them. Um, but other, other examples are uh, a public uh, thank you or public uh, appreciation, public praise is far more powerful than a private, hey, great job. And I, I still do that. I'm involved in a matter right now, high profile litigation matter, where I'm the lead lawyer and there are four other lawyers uh, associated on this team. I did this just yesterday. <clears throat> I saw where one of my team members had been recognized as uh, the best lawyer in the state on bet the company litigation. Well, I could have sent him an email and said, hey, congratulations, John, that's impressive. But instead, I sent the email to the whole team. And little things like that, um, caring about your people, that's critical. But you can't fake it. If you fake it, you're going to be in trouble. But if you actually care about your people and you let them know you care, you know, that makes a difference. But you know, that, that's probably... That, probably all sounds too much uh, like you know, HR nonsense to some people who listen to this. The, the main point I, that I'd like to emphasize is <clears throat> it is really difficult to go from being a successful individual contributor to being a leader. And, and it's, 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 it's intuitive why. It's because you spent your career getting rewarded for being an excellent individual contributor. And so, you know, I'm promoted and asked to fix this legal department. And I'm a, I'm a successful trial lawyer. I know how to get things done. And I actually said later to somebody trying to defend my approach to fixing the legal department, hey, they said fix it. They didn't say I couldn't break any glass. I mean, we're not running a daycare here. And, you know, that's, that's not the right attitude. But that, 
I'm embarrassed to admit how shallow my leadership skills were, you know, at that point in time. And you cannot lead successfully doing that. You can lead successfully for a couple of weeks or months, but that's not, uh, that's not the kind of career most people want to have. Yeah, I, 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 in reflecting on that, it is a truth that there are methods that will make you successful, but not necessarily sustainable over time. Right. Yeah, be, be, and, and we can look at negative forms of leadership that have been very successful, but not sustainable over time. And with your approach, you're trying to build an architecture that can stand on its own legs, not yours. Right. I mean, your job as a CSO or chief legal officer or CFO, <clears throat> when your feet hit the floor in the morning, you shouldn't be thinking about what I'm going to go accomplish today, what, go, what, what security feature I'm going to add or what I'm going to say in this meeting. <clears throat> That's what you do as an individual contributor. I'm not saying it's wrong to arbitrarily uh, do a deep dive on something. In fact, that's one of the attributes of good leadership, I believe in is just arbitrarily, you know, in my, my world at Walmart, that might mean I just go ask somebody to see a, <clears throat> the last three legal bills that were more than $200,000. And I did that. <clears throat> just random arbitrary, you know, just take a look and see. But you can't be waking up in the morning thinking that way. You've got to be thinking, how do I maximize the effectiveness of this group of people? Because your job as a chief security officer, and I, if people don't remember and adopt hopefully anything else that I have to say here, I, I hope the word effective and effectiveness stays with them because when I hear people in leadership positions use those words, it's a pretty good clue they know something about leadership. They're not using the word success. <clears throat> They're using the word effective. Effective leadership, effective uh, anything. But the, the job of the chief security officer is to maximize the effectiveness of the organization's security program, period. It is not to, it is not to go be the security person that they used to be that put them in this job. And that is really difficult to do. It's a, it's for all these psychological reasons we've talked about, but it is, it is, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna deny that being a C-suite executive is an awesome job. The Walmart jobs I had, both of which I was totally unqualified for when I was promoted to them, were the most rewarding financially, personally, professionally, the most fun. They exposed me to people I'd never would have met. I, my life would be vastly different. So it's worth putting the effort in to being an effective leader. If you're a chief security officer, uh, you know, I, I wish you a long, long, long career because it's a great job. But if people don't invest in these skill sets, it's been my experience that they no, it, don't sustain it, very long. 
It strikes me we could do a better job. We as leaders could do a better job in the path to leadership for our people too, by not, uh, but by maybe changing the way we measure them and, and make them see themselves as part of a team rather than just an individual contributor. You see what I'm saying? If, if that was more of a focus from leadership of any company, like you said, as part of the company culture and cult, culture eats strategy for breakfast, according to mm-hmm. great business minds. Mm-hmm. But, but actually the, the path, it strikes me, we need to teach future leaders how to see themselves before they get in those roles. That is a great point, Ron. And I remember as I was on this journey, it was a year before I was promoted to, uh, at Walmart, there were three officer levels, vice president. So I came into the company four months later, senior vice president. Four years and 11 months after coming into the company, I was in the police God's office, the CEO, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll never forget, I don't remember the context, it doesn't really matter, but not knowing that I was about to be promoted to executive vice president in just about a month, he just made a, a comment about how he'd been watching me over the last year and that I had apparently paid attention to what he had said a, a year earlier. And I remembered what he had said and where he had said it. What he said was, if you want to be, <clears throat> if you want to be an executive vice president in this company, you need to start acting like you're already one. And I knew what he meant, but the point you made, I think, is even more practical and important. If there are people, high-performing people in your organization that you think have the potential to be the next leaders. I, I think CEOs should be promoting an atmosphere and a culture where there's an investment made into teaching those people something about the basics of leadership, even before you make a decision that they're actually gonna be moved into that role. Because once you move them into that role, you know they're on the clock. It's not like they have a lot of uh, free time to learn, and, and at least in my experience, you know, I had to, I had to learn the hard way. And when, when I, and I, I want to illustrate this so that people listening know what I'm talking about <clears throat> and not embellishing in any way. I shared this with you and I'll be brief, Ron, but five, six months after I was promoted to general counsel, tasked with fixing the legal department, uh, separating quite a few people from the legal department in a way that seemed to make sense to me as a trial lawyer. Uh, I was invited to lunch by a member of the CEO's direct report team, who was then the chief administrative officer, a position ironically I would assume seven years later. And I was really pleased that he 
by me to lunch and it's turned out we had lunch in his office and just had salads but i was pleased that somebody that senior in the company would have enough interest in me asked me to have lunch in his office but it didn't take me very long to figure out that this was a pretextual lunch and that he actually was concerned about my leadership skills at the time i honestly walked into that that office to have lunch thinking i was doing a good job but as I listened to what Mike said, it became increasingly clear that he didn't think so. And he picked up a manila folder off of his desk and I don't know where he got them, but he had some emails that I had sent out to the whole department, which if I looked at him today, I'd probably be incredibly embarrassed that I, I don't know what they said, but <laughs> he wasn't real pleased about them. And, but he, he never really let on how displeased he was because Mike happens to be one of those guys who's always got a smile on his face even when he's firing somebody. But it, it was clear to me that this wasn't going well. So I, so I tuned him out, honestly, and started preparing my rebuttal because after all, I'm a trial lawyer, right? So uh, <clears throat> I'm not even sure what he said the last five minutes. I wasn't listening. But I launched into my rebuttal and not realizing that he's got a perpetual smile on his face, I thought in a few minutes that I had sort of won the jury over and I could stop. So I did. And then Mike said, he looked at the clock and said, well, uh, I really appreciate you sharing that feedback because I had no idea what you were gonna say. He said, I've got a meeting at one o'clock and it was five to one. He said, let's finish our salads. And then in a classic uh, Columbo move, he puts his salad back on his desk and he says, uh, hey, I have a question for you, Tom. What's that, Mike? Well, when are you going home this evening? What time? And I said, just the usual time, 6.30 or 7, why? He said, well, can I give you some advice? Because I think the first thing you should do when you get home tonight is go look in the mirror because you're the problem. And that silence you just felt there, that's, that's the silence I felt, except it was penetrating my, my heart. It was like a knife in the heart. And in what Mike later said was a pretty good move on my part, I, I mean, I didn't know what to say. And I think this is one of the few times in my life where my ego actually was uh, doing me a favor because I, to be honest with you, I was fearful of being fired at that point. And so I said, will you help me? Mike's reply was, well, that's the last thing I thought come out of your mouth. But uh, what do you mean by that? And I said, will you help me learn whatever I don't know about leadership? <laughs> because it's obvious that I am not... Uh, living up to your expectations. And he said, I, I don't know. He said, I'll talk to Lee and we'll get back to you. And so I left that meeting pretty disheartened. And the next day, uh, I was walking by Lee's office <clears throat> and um, he called me into my, his office and said he knew about that conversation and asked me if I was willing to change. And, and I said, of course that I would. And that's when he said, I can't fix you here in the office, but you're gonna travel with me. And that started this 18 month journey, 15, 18 month journey that really was life-changing for me. Uh, 
So when I say that, you know, I've learned things the hard way, I'm really, I'm really not kidding. And, and that was just the beginning. And, you know, I like sharing these things. There are a lot of little details, like the importance of being on time. And I think a lot of people in leadership positions, including CSOs, sometimes forget that being on time in a company doesn't just mean starting the meeting on time. It means ending the meeting on time. And I, you're, I can see you smiling, Ron, but you know what I mean. I mean, we've all been through that experience. If you've got another meeting, you know, and it's two blocks down campus or, you know, then you're making everybody late and it's disrespectful. And that's the, that's the label I put on punctuality, you know, and it's, a, it's, it's got two ends, start and finish. And if you don't start on time and don't finish on time, it's disrespectful. This has been a great conversation with Tom Mars. And I hope each of us can go home tonight, look ourselves in the mirror and really question, are we a problem? Are we asking the wrong questions? Are we willing to ask the right questions? Uh, to start great conversations with our people so that we can build valuable companies and strong organizational cultures. Tom, this has been delightful. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ron. Really enjoyed visiting with you. Thank you. Well, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Hope so. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. 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 Yeah.